If you're able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord as we join hearing his word. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Psalms 85, verses 18, verses 8 through 13, page 418, 493 in your book. Let me hear what God, the Lord, will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Our New Testament reading is Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33, page 820 in your Bible. Immediately he made the disciples get, get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against him. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, saying to him, O oh, you, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Please join me in prayer. Father, we're grateful to you for your word. We thank you that it is forever settled in heaven. Lord, we ask that you would help us as we listen to your word. Help us, Lord, to hear what it is that you are saying. Lord, you know every heart that's present, and you know exactly what it is that we need to hear from you as we as we consider this, this story of you and your divinity. And so we ask, Lord, that you would help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Yes. Now, we rehearsed that little saying uh, to ourselves. But if, for what reason? 
because we need to be reminded that God is good. Yes, we need to be reminded. And, and I suppose the question is, why is it that we struggle to believe that God is good? Because isn't it true that when circumstances aren't favorable, we tend to think that God is against us? And if he is good, why would he place me on a sea of chaos? And so if you're not familiar with, with, with scripture and, and the literature of scripture, you know, the sea in the Bible is, is a place of chaos. It's, it's, it's not like the rivers. The rivers and the streams are calm. The rivers and the streams, they feed. But, but the sea is chaos. It, 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 as, as you see in the story here, it's just the wind can change at any moment. And, and it's a good picture of what life in a fallen world is like as we all know that chaos can come upon your life in a moment amen yeah things can go from from good to bad like that and you can't figure out what in the world is going on so so you would you might ask that question if god is good why would he place me on a sea with with its chaos and and we usually only believe god is good when we are getting good things from him. But God wants us to know that he's good even when things are bad. He wants us to know that he is good regardless of the circumstances. And this grace of God, this goodness of God at work in our hearts is trusting in the goodness of God even when things appear to be at their worst. That's the message. That's the message of grace. But the way that we learn to trust the goodness of God is by getting to know who Jesus is. Because it is, it's, it is in the chaos of the sea where you learn the greatness of who Jesus is. But how does that, how does that get worked into our hearts? Because he's responding to the goodness of God and, and letting Christ's grace work its way into our heart on the seas is to trust when the crowds are dismissed, trust through, though there's distance, trust in the dead of night, trust and deal with doubt, trust and be dauntless. Now, obviously, we're not going to get through all that today. So next week, come back for, for the second half. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but but we but this is this is this is this is what we want to consider and take heart, as Jesus said, take heart. It is I. So trust. Here's the first thing: trust when the crowds are dismissed. Look at verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. See, trust when the crowds are dismissed. As you see here in the text, you get a picture of the sovereignty of Christ, don't you? He commands the, the disciples to get to, into the boat. He dismisses the crowds. And you, and, and you, 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 you hear here just what is central to coming to faith in 
God and faith in Christ is about. Because you know, Christ desires for us to know him and the only way that we can get to know him is he must separate us from the crowd. Do you recognize that? That that is, that is really at the heart of what it means to be to follow Christ. He separates you from the crowd. Remember, I mean, we read in the text about the saints. I mean, that's the, the idea is that these are people who are set apart. These are people whom God has, has set apart. And, you know, and, and you've, heard, you've heard this over the years, perhaps, and, and if, if you're new to Christ, you know, the, the, that the word church, ecclesia, that the simple meaning is called out ones. And you recall the story of Abraham, the very first thing in, in, in Genesis 12, 1, the very first thing that God does, he tells Abraham, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. You see, he separates, he separates us from the crowd. And well, what is the crowd? What is the crowd and, and why do they need to be dismissed? Well, the, the crowd is a place of comfort. The plot, a crowd is a place of comfort, and, and, and you, know how, you know how this works in life. You know, you want to be a part of the majority. You know, you like it when, when, we, when other people agree with what it is that you believe. It doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. <laughs> it's just that they agree with you. <laughs> you know that's true because you, you have social media. <laughs> yeah, but the crowd, see, the, crowd, the crowd's a place of comfort. It, and we, yeah, we, we, we resort to popular opinion, to common sense as a, a way of showing that you're right about a thing. Statistics and, and polls are ways of, of taking comfort from the crowd. Receiving likes on, on a, a Facebook status or an Instagram post all of those are taking you take comfort in the crowd's affirmation see the comfort of the crowd can be an idol that displaces trust in Christ's goodness and his grace see, see Christ's grace and his goodness it once it separates us it helps us to know how fickle the crowd can be because you can't see how 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 the crowd doesn't have a, 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 an anchored opinion. It's always changing. And, and, and here, it is Christ's goodness that helps us to know. It's Christ's grace that helps us to know how fickle the crowd can be. Because in the context here, you know, it's the, the crowds are the people who have been following Christ because he fed them with the loaves and the fishes. You know, uh, thank you for sending Joshua and, and I to Israel this, uh, a couple of months ago, because uh, it really it really helps us. I was studying this text, and it and you know I've preached this passage several times over the years. But you know, having having read it in 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 uh, someone's handbook or or manuals, and then being there at the Sea of Galilee are two different things. Uh, and so it was a, it was really a glorious thing to be in this area where the feeding of the five thousand took place where, where, where it, well, it's called, it's called uh, Topga now, uh, but it was at one time a desolate place. Now it's covered with, you know, an old church, another church that was built in 1982, but, and, and there's mosaics in the floor of, of, of the, you know, and there's the church of the multiplication that takes place, that's there, but, but when Jesus was there, none of that was there. 
<laughs> you know, and, but, but it's somewhere after, after, that, after that feeding of the 5,000, some folks, you know, they decided, you know, around the fourth century that, that, that hey, this is a good picnic area. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's, that's, that, is, that, is what, that is what took place. <laughs> but you know, it's there in this, in this desert, in the desolate place where Jesus performs this miracle and the crowd is is pleased with what he did the crowd they ate in the desert in this desolate place and they were satisfied and in John chapter 6 verses 14 and 15 you get a picture of how the crowd operates because here's what it says when the people saw the sign that he had done they said this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world sounds like they get it right Perceiving, though, listen, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Wow. We don't get to determine how Jesus is made king. Do you get that? I mean, that's, that, but that's, that's usually how we want to operate. You know, Jesus, you're king on my terms. <laughs> that, that doesn't work that way. Uh, but, but, you know, that, but this is how the crowd operates. And then later on in the text, they get to the other side, and the crowds, they're seeking Jesus. The next day, he talks to them about being the bread of life. And here's where you see the thickness of the crowd in, in John 6, 66. And please don't send me any emails about numerology. <laughs> John 6, 66 says this. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. It's the same group that wanted to make him king. And now, now, <laughs> we, we can't have, we don't want anything to do with you, Jesus. You see, knowing Jesus doesn't come through popular opinion or the crowd's acclaim. Only through his work of grace, whereby the crowds are dismissed you can see and you are, you have to submit to his sovereignty without the affirmation of the fickle crowd. So, so you, trusting, trusting when the crowds are dismissed because you know, when in that dismissal, there comes a distance, some distance. Because look at verse 23 and 24. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against him. See, trust, though there is distance. You see this? Jesus is off by himself, and the boat is a long way from land, and they're getting beat. And the, word, the Greek word there is tortured. So, so you know, this isn't just, these aren't just little waves. And, and the Sea of Galilee was like that. The, the, the Sea of Galilee, the, the wind can change directions depending on the time of day and the season of the year, and it can change in a moment. It can, it, that can happen. And this is, what, this is what's taking place. At night, the wind had changed, and it became, and so these are, these, are, these are waves that are five and six feet high uh, that are, that's, that's hitting their boat. And, the, and they're going against the wind. Yeah, so they're, they're, this, is, this is not, this is, this is violence that's happening. And, and that word carries with it the connotation of being tested. That the sea and the chaos of it, it tests you. It tests you. It tests you. And, and 
when all this is taking place, the crowd is gone, it seems that the distance is evidence that things are not right. And often, isn't it true? Often, we think that security is measured by proximity. I'm, I'm more secure the nearer the object of my affection is to me. But it's also true that distance doesn't mean that security is lost. And sometimes the distance intensifies and creates a deeper longing. I can recall on my first trip to Uganda, I'd never been out of the country, yeah, I, and let alone to go to Africa. You know, as a child, I was scared of Africa. I was like, oh my, you know, I don't want to go there. Yeah. You know, but you know, hearing, hearing, you know, sitting in church, listening to testimonies of folks who had gone, and, and hearing the, why don't our Afri how, why don't our African American brothers and sisters come and 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 and, and help us? I was, like, oh. I was convicted. So, uh, you know, what reason do I have? Uh, my fear? Well, that's not a reason. But uh, I, so we go to Africa, and, and, and at that point, I think Connie and I had been married about 17 years, and, uh, and in that 17 years, we'd never been apart in that, in that, in that way. You know, and, you know, I mean, Africa, you know, so, well, some of you know, yeah, Africa and America, it's a long ways apart. Uh, uh, and, and over that, in that 17 years, you know, there was never a night where I couldn't say, and we didn't say to each other, I love you. And so we're sitting around, we're having devotions, and we're talking, and, and, and we're, we're, we're examining the day, and we're talking about what's going on in our hearts, and at that moment, that's what was happening in my heart. And I realized that I, I was, I was going to go to bed without hearing my wife's voice saying, I love you. And that, 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 see, it, the memory still, it gets me. Uh, because, because, and it wasn't that the security was diminished. No, it was intensified because I couldn't wait till I got to a payphone. You can Google what that is. <laughs> I couldn't wait till I got to a payphone to give her a call to, to, just to hear her voice. I mean, it, it, the distance didn't diminish the security. It intensified my longing to hear her. I'm longing for home. You see, so distance shouldn't be a deterrent to trusting the goodness of God. See, we can let the distance intensify our security, knowing that Jesus, though isolated, though isolated, he's not running away from us. Yeah, no, he's on the mountain and he's alone, but the text says he was praying. He was, he was praying. See, do you feel like, do you feel like the Lord is distant? Are you feeling like perhaps Jesus isn't with you because you did something wrong and you can't put your finger on what it is, but you think Christ has separated himself from you because of this mysterious thing, because of this mysterious wrong? Well, any such thinking is not the word of grace speaking. Remember, grace says, while we were sinners, Christ died.
died for us. Grace says, while we were sinners, distant from God and not looking for him, not even holding him in our thoughts, at that time, Christ died for us. That if there's distance, it must be that Christ is doing something that will deepen our trust in him. Romans 8.32 tells us this. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, the distance, the distance is an issue. The, the grace says feelings of distance doesn't change the fact of the nearness that Christ's sacrificial love has achieved for us. We are beloved children of the Father. Hallelujah. And see, if Jesus is on the mountain alone and away from me, it must be for my ultimate good. Can you trust that when you feel distant, when you think that the Lord is far from you? Can you trust that? Here's why you can trust it. You may feel, you may feel alone on the mountain, but see, Jesus was alone on a mountain for us. Do you remember that, that hill called Calvary? Jesus, the, he, the crowds, the crowds, he didn't dismiss the crowds they left him. His friends left him. His father forsook him. So you and I can trust that though Jesus, it feels distant, but you are near because Jesus was left alone in order to bring us near. And you can trust that though there is distance, Jesus is doing this for our ultimate good. Yeah, we'll just have to stop there and we'll pick up next week because you know, there, there's, there's also trusting in the dead of night. But let's pray. Lord Jesus, how we need you. We are grateful, Lord that you have given your grace, you, we've come to you. you, you have brought us to yourself, you have shown us your great love. Lord, you know the chaos, you know the chaos of the, that's taking place in everybody's life here. And you know, Father, how many are still reeling from heavy winds blowing and beating upon them, Lord, the torture that it has been and that it still is. Thank you for being a God who sits in heaven, praying for us, having walked and been alone on our behalf in order to save us. Thank you, Lord, for planting this. Indeed, continue, Lord, to work this into our hearts that we may continue to exclaim your goodness all the time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.